Well, hey there. I'm Pastor Cody. I'm Pastor Matt. And we're here to have a conversation. Welcome, Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to our abode. This is the way. This is the way. Thank if you. If you're looking at our, our mugs here, we've got uh, two Mandalorian mugs. Yes. And they have this cool feature where the top just comes right off. Mm. And How do you do it? Do you do it like this? Huh? Do you set it down like this? Well, if you really wanted to be fancy, you could take it and pour into it <laughs> that, <laughs> and then be, drink from it. That would be difficult to drink from, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, thank you for my mug, though. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Mando, Mando Mondays. Mando Mondays, even though this is technically on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Dead giveaway. Hey, dead giveaway. Um. So, yeah. So, we're here today. We are talking about... Uh, his so message. Yeah. This, so yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're here. Shout out to you, Jason. You. <laughs> Shout out to Jason. Um, so we're here today and we're talking about your message from Sunday. Yes. Which the title was uh, Pride, the Problem. Yes, and it is a problem. First off, out of the gate, I just thought it was super, and this kind of goes back to our five wise conversation that we had uh, last week or the week before, but mm-hmm. it was Interesting how you kind of got to the root of the whole immorality issue at Corinth with pride yeah. being the the common denominator there. How did you how did you arrive at that? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just asking how you got there. Where the <laughs> heck did you get that? Looks like severe acidosis. You're like mm, incest. Yeah, that's pride right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's good right there. That's, yeah. This is the way. This is the way. Um, Yeah, I think, yeah. I think um, (laughs) we're just having a good time today. This is literally how Uh, our conversations go. I love it. Um, He he just like telegraphs it in the beginning. And I don't, do you have, do you have the Bible pulled up? Uh, I don't, but I can. I can pull mine up. Go ahead. Um, he telegraphs it in the beginning. I think I have it here. If I look at five uh, two, yeah, First Corinthians five. Hold two. on, I'm declining calls here on my phone. Um, yeah, so Paul identifies pride the problem and sees it among the leadership, but he he telegraphs it before he gets there. So, chapter five, verse number one, he addresses the the sexual immorality, mm-hmm. the the issue, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, but before he did that, he says, look, you know, if I come and I observe what you're doing as a church and he says, I'm going to come, you know, do you want to do this the easy way or the hard way? Right. Mm -hmm. The end of chapter four, do you want me to come with a rod or do you want me to come in love and and grace? And basically he says chapter four, let me just pull it up here. I'll keep referencing it. And I (laughs) I did think it was funny in your and your notes from the program here, it's in parentheses. I find this a bit comical. Because <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. I love the way he, he puts things. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, but here at the end, he says, in his fatherly care, right, which I, I thought was so interesting. Um, I think that's part of it, right, is seeing that Paul is, is coming as a, as a father, is coming to them, you know, in fatherly care. Mm-hmm. Um, sending his son right? To be a father to them. So we get this pattern, right? Um, But he says in verse 18, now some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. So in saying, right, in this letter, look, you know, you guys are doing things in your own power. You're doing things. That's like the theme, right? Mm -hmm. 117, 1 Corinthians 117. If you're not careful, you're going to empty 
the power of the cross 118 because of your eloquent words because of what you think you're adding to the gospel and so that's really what he's been building to is you think you're adding something to this but really what you're doing is you're taking away its effectiveness and yeah and and then we get to the place where he's actually about to come out of the gate and address the issue and then what he addresses isn't the sexual immorality first he addresses at the end of chapter four he says now some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. And here's, here's what I get in that. I get the sense that they think they're on some kind of island. Mm -hmm. They think that what they're doing is not connected to their spiritual father. It's almost like the prodigal. Yeah. Right. The prodigal goes out, right. But then he ends up coming back, you know? And so the, the father at this point, Right. Even in that analogy, he's waiting for his son to return so that he can father him again. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like this church is literally out there riotous living right in that sense of being the prodigal. But what Paul doesn't say is that you're out there riotous living, performing riotous living in the Las Vegas of the ancient world in sexual immoral acts. He says you're out there in your pride. There's arrogance among you. And so that to me was like, he telegraphs that. And then what really, at first I'm like, well, why does he say that? And then you start reading chapter five. And after he addresses the elephant in the room, he uses the elephant in the room as a symptom. Mm. He doesn't say it's the problem. He says the symptom here is the fact that you have someone that is among you that is being immoral and you're not grieved by it. You're still in your arrogance. You could have addressed this to where this man could have been put out so that his soul could be saved. And I know that there are different commentators take that verse in a couple different ways where it says his soul put him out so his soul could be saved. But that's how I see it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like the issue to Paul was not this man. Of course, that was the issue in, in issue as symptom. But the issue was the way the leadership was handling that in their pride. And so that's why I think pride is the problem here. And um, that's kind of how I got there, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense. No, that, that actually does make total sense. And when I think about that, like I kind of get the vibe from the conversation, if you're kind of reading into it a little bit from just what's going on behind the scenes of the letter, I kind of gather that, you know, whoever these people are within the church, you know, they're like, well, who, who cares what Paul thinks? Like it, it doesn't matter. And that's like... You know, for him, <laughs> he's gone. Right. He's not here. Yeah. And then he, yeah, it <laughs> just lost my train of thought there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's Was okay. My fault? <laughs> Mando Monday. Mando Monday. He needs his brain back. Mm -hmm. yeah. My goodness. Good point. Yeah. Um, but, but I read that and I'm like, you know, that's like a slap in the face to Paul as their spiritual father mm. where they have gotten to a point where they're like, the way that we're doing things is fine. We don't need Paul anymore. We don't care what Paul thinks. And that's kind of what I get from it. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree. I think that it's just, it's telling. It's very telling. Right. But I never really put that, I never really put together in the conversation that that was kind of like the immorality was Paul's lead in to be like, hey, you know what? You're arrogant. You're arrogant. Yeah, because, and, and this is what I, I said this on Sunday. The problem <laughs> for me is that everyone's always talked about this book as being the book filled with the horrible sexual and moral church. Yeah. And really it's like, well, yes, but no. Mm -hmm. The the idea is like I could easily find the American church in this church over and over oh, yeah. and over again. 
Um, you know, and we talked about it from, you know, and this is obviously a conversation for our church people. And if, if you're listening and you're a part of another mm-hmm. uh, covenant community, the idea is these church leaders were in love with themselves and how they were doing ministry. And they were not in love with what ministry does. They were not in love with the product of the gospel. Therefore, they were not in love with the gospel. Therefore, they were in love with themselves. Yeah. And on the front end of that, what Paul is saying, I'm coming to like rectify this situation. And even if I'm not there, Timothy's going to, we're, we're going to know. He, he, I get the sense that it was like, as soon as I hear the first sermon, as soon as I hear the first conversation, you know, with, with you leaders, like I'm going to know your heart in this and whether or not it's powerful or not, whether or not the Holy Spirit's in it or not. And I think we know the answer. He was not. Yeah. And so church work, it's, you know, it gets sideways so fast when we are, um, when, when we enjoy hearing ourselves talk, when we enjoy the aspect of ministry that is, oh yeah, let's keep it warm. <laughs> when we enjoy the Climate aspect, of, yeah, the aspect of ministry, you know, that allows us the filling of pride instead of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, it's, and, and remember, this is all coming from, 118. There are people that are actively being destroyed. Paul is like, look, there is tons of ministry to be done around you. There's mm-hmm. tons of those that are being re- destroyed or going without because yes. Yes. of the way that their conduct reflects on them. Yeah, this is a problem. This yeah. is an issue and it's pride. And I think what you said is so powerful that to effectively to add to the gospel is to take away. 100%. And that's that's a one-liner if I've ever heard one. Probably put that out there on a quote put it with out. your face. Tweetable. <laughs> yeah, Paul, yeah. And I never really read it that way because the stock view of the book is like, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to talk about immorality and, and how to deal with those things, like, oh, well, let's go to First Corinthians and see what Paul told the church. Yeah. But it's, and that's not untrue. It's But not. at the same time, it's like, where does all that come from? Right. Where, what is the origin of these not just the issues, but like why they continued to persist mm-hmm. and they continued to persist because people thought they knew better people. You know, they didn't care about what Paul thought as their spiritual dad. Um, <laughs> they had daddy issues, they did. Um, you know, but that's, yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. And when I was listening to it, I was yeah. like, that's really not a, a point of view that I've heard before. Mm. Well, for me, so it must be bad. It's terrible. (laughs) It's awful. No, and it's not. I'm not in an echo chamber. You know, this was something that, you know, many as I read, you know, and studied on it, like many take this view and this perspective. And it's Mm -hmm. not diminishing the sexual immorality. It's just pointing back to what we should do in in cases of you know problems and things that are problematic. It's like what's what's happening with the leadership. Yes. Um. So anyway, I think another. Uh, where was I going with that? I was going to say something in regards to, oh, so the glamorous aspect of church too, it's like the pastor and the leaders and, you know, I just want to attain something, you know, and I think people have that perspective towards it, but really, you know, and this is something that we've tried to, we've tried to build Bethlehem this way in our DNA is like, for instance, we have six different teams, right? Of, of people that serve in our church. The worship team, everyone that's on that is a, is a part of helping worship happen. The future team are all of our kids' ministries. Shout out to all my future team workers out there. <laughs> Love <right>. you. <laughs> the beauty team. The Except people. you, Kenny. 
That's right. Because I know you won't listen to this. <laughs> he doesn't listen? <laughs> he he does. He was like, oh, I'm behind. I didn't listen to last oh, week. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but anyway, we, we break it down into teams. And <laughs> our team that you know is basically our leadership team, we call it our support team. And, and that's the elder board, even the finance committee. Everyone falls under the, the church leaders fall on the support team. And we call it that because we believe that the leaders are here to support and serve the church, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah. And so if we can maintain that posture towards our people, then we will grieve when there's an issue, when there's a problem. And there are people like I pray every day for folks that have left our church community uh, that I believe should be here, that I believe should return. We talk often you yeah. know, about folks that we just believe should be here. We know that they're a part of our church, um, you know, because the Holy Spirit has made that clear. And we're just waiting. Like, it's not a matter of like, uh, you know, if it's more of when, when that's going to happen, because I believe in the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're handling that situation correctly, you know, and so uh, anyway, I just think that the, the, the optic of what church leadership and what church looks like to some, it's like, man, I would love to be in that position, but really for people that are actually in it, if that's the attitude that we have, we've, we've got it backwards. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to be in leadership, to be a pastor. It's not an easy job. It's a hard job. It's a job that we commit ourselves to grieving we commit ourselves to praying. We commit ourselves to spiritually fathering those that do not want to be fathered in those moments and in those times. And, and it is having those hard conversations. It is those difficult things. And you say, well, really? Yeah. Like even before those conversations ever happen, before the Lord opens a door and opportunity to even speak of it, chances are I've already been praying about it. I've already been thinking about it. My heart's already broken for folks that I know are in my church community that are living in sin. You know, this is not an easy job. And that's where the celebrity, glamour, pastor type of perspective on social media is just no good. It's no good. It's so wrong because it's this pastor that's so far removed from that ministry work. This is Paul. This is Paul. (laughs) if there was ever a superstar preacher (laughs) it's probably paul and the man's naming names talking about people you know that were in leadership and he's ministering to these people Mm -hmm. you know so i i just think we've you know and i'm not this isn't a personal attack towards any denomination or any leader it's just and i'm sure i am i'm sure that even those what we would call celebrity pastors, they're doing ministry work. Of course, yeah. They are, you know, crying over and praying for it. I'm not saying they're not. But what I am saying is the comparison and the people that don't understand what goes on behind behind the scenes that thinks that is, that, that think that that is the ministry and that that is the brunt of it, it is not. Not at all. And And so don't let our minds get consumed uh, with this idea that this is what ministry looks like because it's not. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look, leadership, look, I'm coming to correct some issues of pride within within the leadership and, and their attitude and their posture uh, towards the people that God has given them to shepherd is not right and it's not correct. So I just think it's important for us to see. And also, you know, selfishly for me to tell you, like, this is what I need to prayer for. A lot of people, what do you need, Pastor. You know, do you need help with this? Well, yeah, yeah, we could use help in, in, in areas of service and ministry. But what I really need is for you to be praying for me 
I need you to pray for discernment for, for me, for Pastor Cody, for mm-hmm. our other elders. Especially for me. <laughs> why? Because we're bearing a burden. You know, we're carrying that. And, you know, why is, why is it that pastors don't last long? Why is there no longevity? Well, you know, they're, pro- they're probably not resting. They're probably not in good, healthy rhythms. Um, but this is not a normal job. This is mm-hmm. not like clock in, clock out. We should be, as church leaders, carrying the weight. And, and that weight sometimes is grief uh, over the way, you know, our congregants, parishioners, however you say it, uh, over the weight of how they are living or how they're not living. Um, and so that, that proper posture, that attitude, you know, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, that doesn't, that's not always in a, you know, happy spirit. Sometimes that's lamenting, Yep. you know, and it's difficult. Um, so th- those things are things that we carry. And so that's where pray for your leaders, pray for your pastors and, and fight against the mentality that this is a position that is showcased and that is show it's not ministry doesn't happen. Just ministry does happen in the proclamation of the gospel. I hope you were helped by the message yesterday, but that's not all of it. Yep. And we can't get that focus. Anyway, I digress. I digress. Mm. To, to tighten the focus a little bit there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that was good. That's really good. Um, to tighten the focus a little bit. So we, we're talking about the conduct of the Church of Corinth and how that reflects on them and, and how that, it, you know, Paul's hitting on the fact that it's not, the way that they're acting has consequences beyond what they can even see. Mm. And he points to that. And so you have an excerpt here from Taylor's commentary um, and it, it talks about how, you know, first Corinthians five, all the way through six, uh, verse 20 is bound together by an eschatological focus. Mm. And you talk about how, you know, the way you, that you worded it, you were like, listen, Paul's literally tying this to end times. Mm-hmm. Paul is tying this to the end of days. And that's like, that is the gravity of the conduct of the church is that what we do, how we represent, uh, Jesus to the world around us, like it has everything to do with you know, the end that we have in sight. And what I thought was interesting uh, when we're talking about this, you know, the, the commentator uh, talks about how Paul references uh, these two vice lists that are found in Deuteronomy. And I was like, you know, it's also really interesting that Deuteronomy is a, (laughs) and if you've ever read Deuteronomy, some of you probably have, some of you probably haven't, but uh, the Pentateuch as a whole is a, you know, yeah, there's, you know, there's origins, there's, there's all sorts of, you have the Sinai covenant, but as a whole, like the book points uh, to the failure of the Sinai covenant, how mm. it, you know, from day one, it just wasn't going to work. And at the end of Deuteronomy, when Moses is addressing Israel, he's like, you're going to go into the land, you're going to break the, the covenant again and again. And then, you know, but, but there's going to be one who comes after me. There's going to be a prophet that comes mm. um, and you need to listen to him. And the, the term end of days comes up a lot mm. uh, in the Pentateuch starting in, in Genesis. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, that Jacob talks about on his deathbed with his children is the end of days. Then mm. nobody really thinks about, you know, Genesis, Exodus, all the way through Deuteronomy as eschatological as end times. But the writer is is looking forward to, you know, a time when when God will you know, will fix and remedy what happened at Sinai mm. that just didn't pan out well. He'll reverse it. He'll reverse it. Yeah. Not, not that, I guess. But <laughs> well, the curse. Sort Yeah. Yeah. You get, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just thought that was interesting that Paul is <laughs> trying to plug reversing Herman. It, right. It didn't really work. <laughs> Sorry. Such a, hey, read reversing Herman. If you have not, book. 
Dr. Michael Heiser. It's a really good book. We're fanboys over here. We are fanboys. Um, and Dr. Heiser, if you ever listen to this, which you probably won't, I just, we love you so much. Um, but yeah, I thought that was just interesting that Paul gets all end times the eschatological and coincidentally there's some, there's some nuts in there from, from Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. which is, would be viewed, would have been viewed by Paul and, you know, and the writers of the Pentateuch as eschatological. I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah. Um, but that's just me, you know, nerding out over that. Well, as you nerd out over that, it's just, it's, I think it's helpful for our listeners to understand that, you know, Paul's tying into that eschatological timeline mm-hmm. where, you know, they were connected to something, you know, it's, it wasn't like this separate eschatological timeline, right. Um, that was crafted maybe years later, you know, yeah. and books later and, you know, people that tried to force us into a mold. Like this seems like one story. It's like, almost like it's one continual story yeah. that has a desired end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's really, it's just, and Paul's calling from, you know, this eschatological timeline that we see in Deuteronomy, you know, the same sort of law and mm-hmm. things that he's trying to teach this church. Yeah. He's pulling from, you know, the Pentateuch, and then they're all, you know, looking forward to this day of the Lord time that mm-hmm. they keep referencing. Yep. You know, so it almost seems a lot more simple. Then. A lot simpler than maybe we think. You're right. And I think so much time is wasted mm-hmm. thinking about, like, how exactly does this play out? How does the... Where we're searching in Daniel. We're searching, searching in Daniel, in Revelation, and Ezekiel, and how does all this... Trying to craft this Trying system. to craft a system, right, that Paul's works together. Like, That's it. Yeah, The exactly. story, it kind of fits together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can be a lot easier to understand. Yes. That and that would be, I think, that my... Because anytime, you know, anybody who you ever talk to, when they when you talk about Bible study, they're like, oh, I love prophecy. What you think about prophecy? Right. Oh, I love I love studying the end times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. You probably have all the John Hagee books on your bookshelf mm-hmm. then. <laughs> Blood moon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, b- but the, the simple part of it that I think we should focus on as believers and Christians as far as uh, in regards to end times eschatology is that our conduct of the church matters. It does. What we're preaching and teaching matters. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the end times, quote unquote, I don't even like that term very much, but I haven't found something to replace it. Um, well, but I think it's meaningful to use that because that's what that's our, what resonates with the culture. Our church people, like when they hear that, they think like left behind, mm-hmm. you know. And so what we're trying to say is instead of thinking about left behind, think about think the about day your of neighbor. The Lord. Think about your neighbor. Think about the Lord yeah. is coming. The Lord is coming back, not in that context and in that way that it has been dramatized and formulized by these other yeah. um, authors, but like the gospel writers, you know, Paul, you know, the, the epistles, these letters, you know, he's kind of pulling things together. He's tying things together, you know, that the Lord's coming back, you know, he's going to establish his kingdom here on earth yeah, and he's, he's going to restore Eden. Yep, you know, it will be restored. It, it will be restored, and so it's it's it can be a lot simpler, and we don't have to have all the answers. And you know, from that perspective, it gives us a focus not on this you know next event, but on what we're going to do today, how we're going to love today, yes, how we're going to act today. He pulls, <laughs> he pulls the the church's actions and our responsibility into how we're supposed to live and that affects the future events that are that are coming yeah and i think that's really good and Mm -hmm. i think that 
you know, and what's funny is we, we, we spend so much time. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of books have sold on that topic. Mm. And Paul is Paul of all people is really clear. Like, Hey, don't focus on these things. Mm -mm. Hey, here's what matters. The Lord's coming back at some point Mm -hmm. and we need to be ready. We need to be evangelizing, gospeling our communities. Mm. And that's, that's what really matters. There's no, there isn't a timeline out there that makes full sense. There isn't, you know, it just, none of it matters. I mean, it's good fun, you know, but at the end of the day, like where the rubber meets the road, it just doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but that was, was really awesome that you, that you brought, that you kind of tied all that together. Uh, let's see what we got next here. So we'll probably, this will probably be the last little topic that we cover. Um, I did listen to this part just a few minutes ago, actually, but you were talking about the Paul's use of the imagery of unleavened bread, Mm -hmm. which um, if you're familiar with Israel's history, like unleavened bread carried a lot of weight as far as being a a picture or an analogy of, uh, you know, a lot of things. But let's um, let's see here. So, yeah, let's let's unpack that a little bit. You, You talked about how Paul Paul ties you know, you have this picture of leaven as sin and he uses that to, to describe to them, like how, what, what exactly is going on? Well, I mean, I think that it was something that they understood, Mm -hmm. you know, it was something that made sense to the Jewish community that was there. Yeah. And then he's trying to, um, you know, bridge the gap to this Gentile community that's, that's there and, and kind of make this thing work. Um, Because this was definitely a, a melting pot. Uh, and I think, too, this is like, you know, you have Passover and then you have the Lord's Supper. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would, you would um, you know, probably have a, a more rounded view of this. Um, but just instituting Passover, you know, in the church in a new way, a new covenant way, it's the Lord's Supper. You yeah, know, kind you're of, 100% wrong. Oh, okay. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's no. How, however, good. however good. do you want to correct yeah. this? Correct. No, there's no correction. Feel, feel free. There's but. no correction needed. <laughs> but what I would say is, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's once again, this isn't something totally separate. This is like the fulfillment of, and kind of like really pulling in the old Testament and the new, new Testament together. Yes. And so instituting this, love it. Yeah. This supper, this last supper, uh, how they did it, and then the Lord's Supper, how we do it today, which obviously it it looks pales different. in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's <coughs> excuse me, but it's how we it, it's how it's evolved and and where it's come to. Um, and so I think that uh, part of it, you know, I I was reading in some pieces, uh, and this is probably where you could speak more to it. But the idea of unleavened bread started in the in the Passover. Uh, you know, they didn't have time for any of those things to happen. They were exiting Egypt, Mm -hmm. you know, they were, they were rolling out. And um, so there, there, there's like the one piece of it, you know, how that was, that bread pictures and symbolizes, you know, the Lord's deliverance, like a fast, quick, you know, Mm -hmm. they were out. Yeah. Fast. They had to be ready. The exodus, you know, the exit from, from, uh, from Egypt. So there's that piece. And then there's the, the sin piece of how that leaven pictures, picture sin yes um, and you you had said here uh there's a, a a line in bold here in your notes or at least that's how it's came it came through when i copied it to a google doc mm. um, but how you handle open unrepentant sexual sin matters the mm-hmm. old stuff mixing with the new stuff right yeah so you have a picture of what deliverance is, is supposed to look like you know and that's where 
it was it's an immediate this new creation they exited egypt they were out from there there was no time to to have the the old mixing with the new uh the new was what it was and that was the new standard if if you will uh, and we see that we see that in our conversion we see that in our exit from the world we see that in the fact that we have all sufficiency in Jesus. He is our unleavened bread. His body is pure. It doesn't need anything of ours injected into it. Um, there is no amount of time that it needs. Like we are instantaneously delivered. It, there's so many. There's so much there. There's so many different aspects. Um, and of course, we don't have time to get into all of that on Sunday. So I just kind of wrote a paragraph of a lot of different things that's there in the program. So this is kind of like the, when Paul uses this imagery, he's, he's hitting things for them that, that are understanding. And obviously they didn't quite wrap their heads around the Lord's Supper because they, they weren't doing it well. And we're going to read about that in the coming weeks. But Spoiler alert. Yeah. He's going to bring it up specifically because it means something, right? Um, so I think this is just another, you know, it, it's another opportunity for Paul to bring, you know, old covenant Jews that have that, you know, perspective, the Judaizers coming into the church with this Gentile audience, uh, where there's really nothing sacred, right? You know what yeah. I mean? And so it, it definitely plays on both. And so that is, it's just a perfect illustration for him to bring them into perspective, for him, for him, him to bring them into community. That's the idea into oneness, into unity. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's a perfect illustration, you know, and for you, for the listener, you know, we have to see that as being, um, number one, and I feel like we, we have a melting pot. We do of people in our church, you know, we're not, uh, I'm not making a strong distinction between Israel and the church. And I don't even know exactly where I land on all of that. Me um, either. I feel like it's it's messy. Yeah, we could spend a whole couple hours on that. Yeah. But at this point, what I'm seeing is that they're they're not just related; they're connected. You know, and they are intimately interwoven. And so, and and that's how it was in the church. In that early church, it had everybody. You know, yeah. it wasn't this this two or both. You know, and that's where I think that we just get weird in our philosophy, in our understanding of scripture, you know, and we have remnants of pieces of, you know, different pastors and teachers through the years that have just come up with these weird, isolated views of Israel and the church. Um, you know, and so here, here we are, you know, we're making the best of this. And I think that in this illustration, you can see Paul playing into both groups of people that are a part of the same church, and he's explaining to them, that what's important is that you are pure before the Lord. You you are holy before the Lord. You are are viewing Jesus as enough and his sacrifice and, and his body and, and what he has done for us. And so um, this is a really good time for us to take a step back and go, okay, what leaven are we bringing to the table? Right. And to, to put leaven into the unleavened bread is essentially to bring bondage back into what we we're freed from it's a weekend at bernie's yeah straight up you're you're digging up your dead men's bones yes you know and i think today that was probably the best sermon illustration you've ever done <laughs> and my only disappointment is that you did not call that message weekend at bernie's that's right i should have <laughs> yeah but that was such a good illustration of digging up the dead man that was buried and, yeah. and trying to 
parade him around just like weekend at Bernie's. And that's what this church is doing. Yeah. They're parading time. their their dead bones around, their dead their dead body, their life that should have been buried in baptism and raised to walk in something that's new, mm-hmm. something that's unleavened. Yes. And, and it's yeah. And it's neat that that this illustration like the concept is exclusively Jewish of the Passover, yeah. but the the picture resonates with Gentiles also because it's such a simple thing like hey listen like you all bake bread like you know how this works yep and it you know so it it swings both ways it hits the jew a certain way and it hits the hits the gentile a certain way and it's it's so cool like you think about the lord's supper and i feel like the west not to poke fun but we've cheapened it so much Mm. and you have this picture you know in you know before the sinai covenant was made the elders of israel went up the mountain and they they had a meal with like the anthropomorphized Yahweh. Yahweh is a man mm. at the top of Mount Sinai. And then in the New Testament, you have that same picture where the disciples are 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 eating dinner with God as a man, mm. but he's incarnate Jesus. Mm. And it like carries over and says like, and that's like, hey, the new covenant is about to begin, just like the old one was about to begin. I love it. And there's so much weight to the concept, but we're like, yeah, we just bulk order these gross little styrofoam things. <laughs> And some grape juice, and that's that's it. And uh, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with it because that's just where we are, you know. But the I feel like some of the sentiment is just lost. It you is. Know? And I but think how do we even is lost in is. in our type of yeah. lifestyle? Right in the Western, in the Western lifestyle where we have to get everything done quickly. It's it's like an afterthought, and it's just yeah. the hustle and bustle really kills the yeah. sentiment. You know, my, my wife is, it is among the minority. Mm-hmm. of women that like bake bread. Yeah. It's so good by the way. It is. My wife's so good. Incredible. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the way that we are trying to live and construct our home is just we're the minority. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. You know, because there there are so many good things and good gifts from the Lord just in trying to structure Sarah and I we here's a spoiler. I don't even know if I should spoiler say, alert. No, I don't think I'm going to say it. Um, we're working on something. That's, that's all I'll say. We're working on something and, and I think it's going to be extremely helpful. Um, and we'll just, we'll table that right there, but to, to look at the way scripture, we'll put that out for our Patreon supporters, (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) but to look at how the Bible structures the home, right? And instead of saying, no, this is where we've come in a society and this is what good looks like. And we're going to put that image onto the Bible. And if it doesn't fit, we're going to get rid of those verses that we don't like. Right. If you take, if you take the Bible as God's word and it is God's plan, right. And you apply that to your life and you try to structure your life. And I'm not saying we're perfect. Absolutely not. But we, we, you do your best to structure your life accordingly in the world that we are in. Right. Um, We're applying an ancient document to our modern context. And that's going to look different a lot of ways. It's going to look different. But if you strive for that in in its original intent, the Lord blesses that. And and I just cannot even begin to tell you how much every time Sarah and I take another step towards towards trying to be more biblical in the way that we're living out our lives and raising our children and, and structuring our home. Like it's always a gift that follows. Yeah. Always. And so just even in this imagery, um, you know, it's like seeing, seeing these things like they understood it 
seeing the Lord's Supper the way we're trying to take it and administer it today. It's like I think that if we did spend time and effort and energy preparing the bread and working through that, I think we would probably fill something a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, but, but that's just not our context. It's not currently. well, you know, and not I, to say that it couldn't be. Well, do you remember Miss Alma? Yes. Coming in and, and mm-hmm. pre COVID that Good stuff. That's the idea behind that. That's true. Now we've got the end of it's two in one. And I love it for the convenience. It's like bread on top, juice in the bottom. And it's yeah. just like, you yeah. know, dunk it a little bit. But that was, that was us. And if you listen to this, Miss Alma, we got to get back to that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but when we started baking the communion bread, it was like the first time Sarah did it, everybody was like, holy cow. Right. You know, what a difference. What a difference. And then, and and then I think Miss, I think Miss Alma came in and helped her with that. Right. I believe so. It's been a while. I believe so. Yeah. Um, but I think that that was something she started doing and helping with, but it's, it, to me, it's a different feel. It really is folded within and, and passing that out and around. And we'll have to figure out what that looks like, you know, post COVID, um, but to me, it's like some of these things, you can see the illustration, the imagery, it just brings new life to it. It does. You know, and so th- I, I just challenge you with that, that take a look at your life. And, and Sarah and I, this is a low hanging fruit here. You know, we, we've had a couple of really busy weeks where it's just like, boom, 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 run, 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 go, 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 go. And <laughs> the other night I was like, look. I don't, if we have to eat out another night, we have to eat out another night. But if we're going to eat out, we're going to go sit down at a restaurant and and eat together, you know? And, and so we did, you know, but it's like, look, life is crazy and it's overwhelming. And some of that is self-induced and we do, we have a lot going on. We're not, you know, it's multifaceted our lives and what we're doing. Um, and we're trying to do everything that we can to the glory of God. And, and, you know, we know we have a short time on this earth. Um, but nonetheless, like you have to take a step back sometimes and look and say, am I running in a circle? Am I on Mm -hmm. a hamster wheel? Is what I'm doing causing me to reflect and pull from the spirit that is within me to actually enjoy, you know? And so I I think Paul is really doing that with this church. He's saying like, even in your sexuality, even in your leadership, in the Lord's supper, all the things that you're doing, is this for your pleasure and for your enjoyment, if so, you're not going to get the fulfillment out of it that you could, you know, or is this something that you're doing in the power of the cross in the power of the gospel, you know, and that takes just an ordinary meal and it transforms it. That's so good. Yeah. It takes just like the bread. It takes, yeah, the bread, (laughs) it takes a, a, something that we're just going to go through the drive through because we have to eat to, we just connected, you know, it anyway. Yeah. I'm rambling. Mm. One last thing, if we have time before we go. Um, you, one of the things that you said you did not get to yesterday during the 11 o'clock hour, which is the one that we record. Um, well, we record both, but that's the one that goes up. Yeah. Um, that way everybody's on the same page. But we didn't hit on the legal stuff. Do you have anything that you want to uh, give us all? That way we have the, the full scope of what you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so I just wanted to tie this in, and it was such a large portion of Scripture, you know, but it goes all the way through chapter 6, verse 11. And Paul, uh, he really, I I mean, he doesn't take too much of a breath, and, you know, he handles the sexual sin, and he says, look, you know, get the guy out of the church so that his soul can be saved. Kind of how I'm taking that there. Um, You know, but then he turns and he says, uh, Basically, uh, I'm trying to find the passage of scripture here. I think it's, yeah, verse number seven in chapter six, kind of the last portion here. He says, as it is to have legal disputes against one another, 
is already a defeat for you. Why not rather be wronged? That right there, <laughs> we do not want to hear that as the church. Here's right. the next question he asks. Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do this to, to brothers and sisters. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. Oof. So, and, and I thought you would pull more on this, but he talks about we're going to rule over angels. Like, we're going to govern this thing. We're going to be uh, not, not just sons and daughters. Like, we're going to be a part of this council. You know, we're going to be working in that. In, in this new heaven, new earth, you know, we're going to be leaders. We're going to be judges. And, and those are things that we are going to determine. And Paul's like, you're not acting like it. Mm -hmm. You're literally judging and determining what happens in your church community by people who are not Christ followers. Isn't my moral code, isn't the gospel a, of a higher order, of a higher authority? You're going to be even above angels. And you're operating at a level below the angels. Yeah. So it's just such a good thing here. But I think what it boils down to is pride once again. And so this is, it, I, I put this, it's better for us to be taken advantage of than for us to stain the name for retribution. If we know the Lord is in control, then allow him to lead in the areas of disagreement. The same feeling of us choosing our own pleasure in our sin, and, and I'm specifically re referencing sexual sin there, instead of denying ourselves and doing what is right is parallel to our need to be right and justified by someone who is not a believer so that we can be vindicated in some way. Yeah. The root is preferring ourselves rather than dying to ourselves. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a matter of pride. So I think that it's important for us to view um, the legal issues that Paul is addressing. And just to come right out and say it, it's not okay for brothers and sisters to be suing each other is what Paul is saying. Yeah. Do not take each other to court. Um, and at the end result, if one of you feels like you've been taken advantage of, Paul is saying there's space for that in the gospel. Right. It's better to be taken advantage of it's than better. to stay in the name. It is so better. Good. It's better for you to lose your money. It's better for you to lose what pride you think you had than for you to say to, an, to a lost and dying world, we need you lost world to come in here into this arena and solve a problem between two believers. Why? Because ultimately in the book of Proverbs says this, only by pride cometh contention. So the idea is if one or the other humbles themselves, the problem can be resolved. Well, they took my money. Oh, well, you lost. And that loss is something that we experience loss and suffering in the gospel. Jesus experienced loss and suffering so that we could have life, right? That's how it works. So when we submit ourselves to the hard things that happen in life, and when we determine that we are going to handle it with a gospel-centered mentality, that means we're okay to suffer, we're okay to lose, and we don't hang our, a lot of, a lot of times our identity is tied to our success in those areas of business, and so that's one problem. You know, Jesus is like, first of all, that's not where you get your success, so we can't have our identity tied up in the image that we present in this world. We have to have our identity tied up in the image of God because we're here bearing his image, not the image of the world. And so that should show out. And so that's why I just tied it together. That's you know, good. In that. And to have our identity tied up in the image and not our fiscal or business success is to, you know, 
I'm gonna have to cut this because I just totally my my mind train just. No, bleh. no, you don't have to cut it. It's all good. I, <laughs> to have it tied up in the image of God and not in the image is of, to not care. That's right. Is to not care. Like it's I got taken advantage of, but that's just part of it. It's to be okay with that loss. It's mm-hmm. to be okay with that problem, and it doesn't have to be resolved this side of heaven. That problem, and this is something that we just really need to get. That that problem, that issue is needed that how you deal with that how you deal with that health issue how you deal with with that thing that the world looks at as being ultimately failure and you give god glory in it that is the power of the cross that's the power of the cross and that's what we and when we get. refuse to accept that we're emptying the cross we're of emptying its power. it of its power and that's what paul's getting at yeah which is wow. why the prosperity gospel is so so bad. It it is just garbage. It crushes, it kills. And that's where I think that you know, as ministry leaders like we have to think circumspectly. We have to and I'm not saying that we need to put on sackcloth and ashes. It's not what I'm saying. Um, but just in a practical sense of the word, there is a sense of resolve. Paul said, "I know how to be a base and I know how to abound." both to be full and to be hungry. Mm-hmm. That's a posture that in whatsoever state he's content. <laughs> and then he follows up with that, with the most taken out of context verse I can of all do all things. I can do all things That's through right. him who strengthens me. Yeah. And it's not saying, it, most people that quote, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me are quoting that when they're making a touchdown or something. Exactly. Not when they're choosing to deprive themselves yeah. of something. It's both. Mm-hmm. It is both. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think there's examples of pastors and missionaries and, and, you know, folks that are in ministry through the years that have endured incredible suffering and incredible loss, the loss of a child, a lot, you know, where they have experienced incredible growth in ministry. Yeah. And I would say that it's not because of their power or the way they say things. It's because of the loss. Yeah. It's because of the way that they have accepted the mm-hmm. things that the Lord has done in their life. And listen, and I'm not saying that they've done it in, in a glorious way. Like there's no parent wants to lose a child. Yeah. No parent wants uh, something bad to happen like that. No one wants that, but it's how we endure that. And that's, I mean, that's the theme of, of James. Of, of, or was it James or first Peter? I think it was James. How do we endure suffering? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a part of it. And I'm not saying it's all of it, but I get that sense here where he's like, look, it's better for you to be taken advantage of. Uh, so it's not popular, but that's where we really find this idea that pride is the problem. You know, and if we humble ourselves, what is going to happen, Cody, with a church, with Bethlehem that has uh, just a bunch of Christ followers that are unashamed? Because that's yeah. what I think Paul's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would that look like? What would it look like if we had a ton of people who who are okay to look like fools to the world. What would the Lord do with that? Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's good stuff to think about. Yeah. Well, hey, we're looking forward to uh, to next week's message. Mm. Um, do you have a title for that yet? Nope. No. Do you have a well, title is what I should say. Oh, I'm preaching this week. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to this week's <laughs> message. Um, and so we'll yeah. end we'll end our broadcast with this line here at the end of your notes here. Um, and if you want access to these notes, they're in the, uh, the program, uh, or there are notes from the program, but the hyperlink is in the description of the post here, uh, or on Spotify, you'll find it or on YouTube. Um, but the, the line is, may we humble ourselves and find unity among our brokenness. So good. We love you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.